Hi guys, welcome back to the Muscle Mentors Podcast. We are here with guest interview number 13 and we are joined by um, Hamed Kamali, um, who I believe on social media you are the fitness doctor, um, Fitness Doctor UK. And yeah. uh, for everyone, anyone who doesn't follow Hamed currently on Instagram, make sure you do. Um, he's a doctor, I believe you're working in the NHS currently. Am I right? That's right. Yeah. So between the NHS and um, yeah. Medichex, private. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and yeah, for those that are um, have used Medichex, the uh, uh, private blood work company of which we are affiliated, as is Hamed. Um, the uh, you know he'll he'll probably be the guy that's been writing the uh, the doctor's notes on, on some of the results. Um, but the um, yeah, so he's like specialising in. Uh, things you know, I'm just reading off your Instagram here. Actually, emergency medicine, critical care, family doctor, yeah. endocrine specialist, and obviously private blood tests. But going into things like hormones, performance, and disease prevention. So the guy is a very, very good person to get on. We're basically going to be talking about lots of things regarding blood work and the importance of that for people that are using anabolic steroids and for people that aren't using probably anabolic steroids and, and why it's such an important thing and now so readily available. Um, and uh, but no, I mean, Hamed, do you want to give everyone a bit more information about yourself and how you've got to where you are today? Yeah. So, um, so I started off actually, um, probably the most of my time as a doctor was spent in critical care and uh, sort of acute specialties. So you know, where, wherever you'd find the sickest patients in the hospital, that's where you'd find me. Um, you know, I was chasing being the most exciting specialty, uh, specialists, really. Um, and then I guess I kind of uh, started seeing really sick people, yeah? And they were, they were coming in, they were on death's door, and, um, you know, we do our best to save them. And, I, and, you know, I had so many occasions where I thought, um, I wish I could have got to you 20, 30 years, 40 years before this, mm. and um, maybe this wouldn't have happened. And even if someone comes in with a, an infection and you know you can't help whether you get an infection or not but you can help if there's diabetes heart disease you know things which will make your body less able to survive that sort of situation and um and then i realized that actually for me what i wanted to do was see people earlier on and before they were so unwell that they needed me to put them on a life support machine um so that's why i went i then switched and moved into general practice now I have a particular interest in, um, you know, I've always, you know, been into like Arnie and stuff like that, and um, I got into powerlifting, and um, and uh, it was actually when I got into powerlifting, and um, uh, I wanted to join federation, and I was like, oh, there's loads of different federations. Um, there's tested, there's non-tested. I ended up joining the British Drug Free Powerlifting Association, and um, I just, it just suddenly, I suddenly realised wow, actually, there's federations for people, you know, it's not said, I guess, but if you're not tested, then I'm guessing you might be using stuff. And then, you know, being a doctor, people start asking me questions, and I would say, gosh, I don't know. Um, you know, what are anabolic steroids? I don't really know. It was actually the answer. Um, I prescribed them for people in ITU, um, you know, who were having muscle wasting because they were in bed for so long, but... You know, I don't think a lot of doctors do know what they are. Um, and then uh, I started seeing more and more of it. Um, 
with Medichex, you know, I, so I then, once I really started getting into it, I started working with Medichex and, you know, we see, I think I've seen seven or 8,000 blood results in the last year or something. So, you know, you get to see a lot of different uh, types of health and lots of different types of users using lots of different things. And that really builds up your knowledge because you will constantly come across things and you're like, I'm not sure about that. And then you'll go away, read about it, or you'll ask, you know, many checks, we work as a team. So if there's something I'm not sure about, I'll ask someone else and then we can pool our knowledge together. So then that really got me interested. And then I started actually giving some talks at Medichex to the other doctors about anabolic steroids. I, um, I gave a talk to the GP trainees in South Wales about anabolic steroids. So really, I just want to increase awareness, education, and ultimately reduce the harm associated with it. Mm. Um, mm. So that's, that's me, basically. <laughs> yeah. mm. you, you mentioned some, some really cool stuff before we before we started yeah. recording about what, what your views are regarding the current state of affairs in the industry and kind of the generation we're in now. I mean, was that, could you revisit? Yeah. So um, basically uh, I don't think that there is an all encompassing doctor for an anabolic steroid user. Uh, you know, is there a better term than an anabolic steroid user? I don't, you know, um, I, don't, I don't mean to. I don't mean to, I don't mean to sound like a drug user, but someone who uses anabolic steroids or performance-enhancing drugs is there an all-encompassing doctor who can help them? Probably not, um, because there is so much to understand. But the problem is that there are a lot. There's a lot of harm associated with not with using anabolic steroids. Potential harm. And my concern is that we've worked so hard to get you know things like heart disease and stroke rates down. Um, but I worry that in a few decades' time, you might start seeing more heart disease and more young people with health problems, which may be associated with anabolic steroid use. Um, and so, yeah, that, that, was, that was kind of what we were chatting about. And then I went off on a tangent, I think. Mm. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's quite what you said about how we're, we're, we're in the, the generation where there's going to be a lot more science that's uncovered about about this. Yes. Yeah. I think that, that's that's yeah. I think that's and that kind of is you it already is in some sense with the fact that, you know, all of this stuff tends to be used by people who, you know, under the radar and you know don't really have that kind of science background and they kind of figure all this stuff out before yeah. the research figures it out. <laughs> um, yeah. And, yeah. It, and it, but it is scary because we I mean we, we see blood work from clients and you'll have seen some of them as well, the people that kind of test through Medichecks where it's clear that they're really doing some crazy shit. Um, yeah. And and with absolutely zero regard for to their health to some degree. Or or not not necessarily regard or just zero understanding of the implications. Yeah. Uh, um a body power, so uh, we were doing cholesterol checks for people. And um, I could spot the steroid users, mm. not because of how they looked, mm. but because of their cholesterol. Mm. Um, and uh, and some of the some of the people didn't necessarily look like you might expect. Um, mm. and some of them actually looked quite unhealthy, you know. And we did sort of talk about that, and that's my worry. Um, but. What the, I think the culture that I want to change is that 
And people don't go to their doctor about it because for a few reasons. Number one, um, doctors don't generally really know what anabolic steroids are. Um, number two, um, they'll tend to slap them on the wrist and say, you know, no, no, you shouldn't take steroids. Okay, and that's it. And that and that isn't harm reduction because you're not uh, you're, you're not inviting that person, that that patient who needs your help to come and seek your help because you're just saying, you know, we don't we don't tell we don't turn obese patients around and just say, oh right, okay. Off you go. No, we, you know, we'll, we'll do some blood tests. We'll check their lipids. We check their, we check them for diabetes. We check their blood pressure. We encourage them to lose weight. We get them in touch with a nutritionist. Cool. You know, that's a, that's, you know, I guess, a self-induced state. Um, but, and we help them out. But, you know, if someone uses steroids for some reason, um, you know, we haven't got time for it. What's, what's, yeah. the, what's the general scope of practice within the NHS when it comes to the procedures someone would take when they get you know uh presented with someone that's using anabolics is there anything in place or is it just kind of as you would take in your own judgment uh there is well essentially nothing in place okay so um the endocrinology guidelines if you go through it uh, things like steroid induced or anabolic steroid induced uh hypopit um hypogonadism would you know be a few lines in a whole, a whole, uh, a whole guideline, and um, and it's because they don't understand it. And this this is what I'm saying. So what we need is we need people who understand the pharmacology of the drugs, but we need uh, we need someone who understands the endocrinology of the drugs. But we also need someone who uh, can oversee all of the problems. So like an endocrinologist wouldn't necessarily think about all of the psychological problems associated with anabolic steroids. Um, they also, I mean, would they understand training and all the other stuff, the nutrition? Um, and a GP probably wouldn't understand all the endocrinology. So like I said, there's not one perfect doctor for all of these problems. And, uh, and so often um, people who use anabolic steroids tend to forums because that's where they get their answers. Oh. But, my, but there's a fundamental difference between someone who reads a lot of research and a doctor. And I'm not trying to big up being a doctor at all because I'm not like that. What I'm trying to say is that, you know, we spent years of our lives studying the physiology, the biochemistry. Now, we didn't study anabolic steroids, but that doesn't mean that all that other stuff, that foundation, doesn't have some use. And the next thing is the approach. So um, have you heard of a term called polypharmacy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it is, as it says on the tin, uh, polypharmacy is when basically you are taking an increasing number of medications. So we get this all a lot in the elderly. And actually, the medications end up being the problem. Uh, and uh, with... Uh, the non-doctors tend to think that the polypharmacy cascade is okay. So my example being, a um, person is on, I don't know, um, I'm going to sound really naive now, but is on testosterone and trenbolone, okay? Their estradiol's high, their, their prolactin's high. So they take an anti-estrogen, they take uh, cabagiline, 
okay, to deal with the prolactin. Um, what they've done there is they have massively increased the number of side effects they're going to get, um, the number of issues, the number of drug-related issues they're going to have, and uh, and actually it's, it's sometimes counterintuitive. So uh, tamoxifen is a really good example of this. So tamoxifen, uh, being a selective estrogen receptor modulator, might be used for estrogenic side effects, but actually increases the amount of sex hormone binding globulin. So you end up with a situation of maybe the same amount of free test, but you've added in a drug which negatively impacts your liver function, negatively impacts your cholesterol, and when you maybe should have just reduced the amount of testosterone in the mm. first place, you know, reduce the aromatization. Mm. So for, and for people that don't realize, like, if your sex hormone binding globulin was going to go up, it would basically bind up a lot of the free testosterone in your blood. So you, you essentially create a lower testosterone level. Yeah, lower all the same, but you've taken an extra drug. Yeah. Um, and so medics tend to be the other way. Medics tend to be less is more. Um, yeah. and that's, my, that's my general approach. But I think that there's actually probably a lot of science behind that as well in that, you know, there, the, the body, you know, when you push, the body pushes back harder. And that's, that is essentially, it, it is, you are made to, um, you are made to be in homeostasis. You are made to be in balance. So when you put an external, when you put in an external drug, your body will do whatever it can to regain balance. So more isn't, um, you down, you know, the more, the longer you're on uh, testosterone for, the higher the dose is, the more you can downregulate receptors, you know? So it doesn't, but that doesn't, but you will, you will still have lots of side effects. Hmm. So that's the kind of mentality that I'm, that, that, that I'm coming at it from. That's one of the, one of the divides and especially in the realms of bodybuilding within the fitness industry, which is really, really isn't the fitness and health industry anymore. <laughs> yeah. We've got a divide between there are certain people within industry which are prized to be very, very good at what they do, but the means in which they're doing it is very harmful. But they're okay. Still, they're still getting the end result because all that matters is how this individual looks. It's not their underlying health by the end of the process. Yeah. Well, got people giving advice or people advising their clients with certain protocols very reckless but because they're so pristine in the industry for getting so much success potentially from the wrong means they're almost you know their their word is gospel yeah now we've got people like you know yourself we've got people like dean we've got people that are coming from a medical background which are actually heavily you know heavily educated on the topic actually speaking science and truth and saying what the actual, you know, what, what the actual matter is going on and, and starting to educate people from the ground up. Yeah. Yeah. I think always, if I was to give one piece of advice out, I would be, be wary of the person who is black and white. So science is, uh, not polarized. Um, you know, I, you cannot say something will definitely do something or it definitely won't. Um, I, I always coin the term fingerprint medicine, which is that, you know, how your biology, your biology is as unique as your fingerprint. There are some general rules which serve us all, but we, you know, we are all going to react to things in a different way. 
And um, so the advice, so that's where the blood testing kind of side comes into it because because we are all unique you need to keep you know if you're going to do steroids then check a baseline set of blood tests and and see how you react if you know and that, that is that's what i guess is called the n equals one experiment you know the only subject in that trial is you but actually you're the only subject that matters um what someone else says or how they react to steroids or, you know, what they did because their estrogen was high, was high you know, isn't necessarily going to work for you. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that, that I've, I guess I've gone full circle, really, in that, you know, we always think that you need a randomized control trial, you need a multi-centered uh, trial and, um, you know, peer-reviewed and all this sort of stuff. That's all fine. But remember, there was people in that in those trials who didn't do well, or you know, they might be the small print. Yeah, overall, this drug has this effect. But there are people who didn't do well on that. Um, so the best thing is to have a look at yourself and see how how you react to things. Um, you know, I think overall, the main the main focus for me when I'm looking at the bloods is. We talk about the heart a lot, but so many of the effects of steroids affect the heart. You know, um, have you had, um, you know, have we had a conversation? Did we have a conversation about the cardiovascular system at Body Power? I, I can't don't, remember. I don't think we did. No. Why don't we delve no. into like your your key areas that you'd look at from a health perspective? Okay. Before using. Before. Before using and, and introducing steroids. Yeah. What would you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so I would say, I mean, I'm, you know, really, uh, one of the main reasons to do blood tests would be to see, cause I think people rightly so are concerned about their hormone levels. And I, I haven't seen someone recover their hormone levels to pre anabolic steroid cycles. I don't know about you guys, but personally, um, I haven't seen that happen. Um, uh, so the first thing is check your check your hormones. You know, do a whole full hormone profile. If you've got a healthy total test and a healthy free testosterone, that should spark the question: Do you really want to do this? Well, yeah. um, because the thing that I always say, and I'm talking really philosophically, and that's because. You guys and your listeners probably know a lot of the science anyway, but it, whenever you're going to embark on something, it's worth thinking about all the negatives, not all the positives. Yeah. Yeah. You'll feel great from week six to eight or week six to 10, whatever. By the time your levels climb up, you'll feel like a, you'll feel superhuman. Androgens make you happy. Okay. You know, you'll have uh, your, your libido will be fantastic. But what about afterwards? What about the eight weeks afterwards? You know, are you prepared to potentially have to cycle steroids for the rest of your life? You know, are you prepared to potentially have to be on testosterone replacement therapy? Are you prepared to potentially have all the psychological effects associated with it? Because they may not happen, but they may happen. So you have to ask yourself those questions. Obviously you want to have, you want to feel great in the gym. That's, that's a given. But what about all the rest of the stuff? So I would check your hormones. 
And if they are healthy, I would ask the ask yourself, do you really want to do this? The next thing is I would check the blood I would check your blood count and check all your vitamin levels because I think one of the cornerstones of um, harm reduction is if you're gonna if you're going to if you're gonna embark on this, everything, every other bit of your health has to be in check. Your nutrition has to be on point. You know, your um, uh, so because I have seen and if I find it quite concerning. I've seen a few steroid users through Medichex who've got who've got an underlying iron deficiency anemia, and but it's not uncovered. The reason being because they're on steroids, they've got uh, increased erythropoiesis, so their hemoglobin has climbed to a normal range. Mm. However, their, their MCV, which looks at the average volume of the red blood cell, is very, very low. So they're deficient in iron, but because of steroids, they're not anemic. Does that make sense? So yeah, steroids yeah. mask an iron deficiency anemia. Mm. I find that really scary. Um, you know, that they, they're, they're walking around iron deficient, and, um, but they don't know because of the anabolic steroids. Um, so that's the first thing I'll check check your liver function. If you've already got uh, what we call a transaminitis, so that's the liver enzymes are raised, then I know we talk about the C17 alkylated steroids, but all steroids are going to increase the strain on the liver. Um, So check your liver function, check your kidney function. Again, now I don't know if you've heard, there are some case reports about um, about boldenon or equipoise leading to um, FSGS in uh, in uh, so FSGS is focal segmental glomerulosclerosis. It's a chronic progressive uh, kidney disease which can lead to dial- needing dialysis. Wow. Um, yeah, but that's that particular steroid. Um, generally speaking, steroids are going to increase your blood pressure. Um, they're going to increase your protein. Uh, in your muscle protein turnover, increase your CK, and that's all extra stress on your kidney. So mm. yeah, check your kidney function. If it's if it's not a hundred percent, then it's every, all of your markers are just going to become slightly worse. Mm. So uh, if if they're not perfect in the first place, then you know you really need to be asking asking yourself if if it's the right thing to do. Mm. So full blood count which is your red cells, your white cells, and your clotting, uh, your kidney function, your liver function. Uh, check your prostate because your PSA can rise, okay? And if your PSA is already high, um, you need to get that checked out before starting anything because um, testosterone could accelerate. If you've got prostate cancer, it can be vastly accelerated by that. Mm. Um, check a full hormone profile. Make sure your pituitary, your estradiol, your prolactin, um, and testosterone are all, you know, normal. So you're looking for normality, basically. You're looking for good health. Mm. I had a client who um, who had he, he he decided he wanted to start using them, and I was like, okay. And I was like, okay, well, you know, we'll run all the blood work and all this stuff. And I said, you know, go and speak to your GP and all this stuff first. And and he got his blood work back, and and not only was it like in every reference optimal reference range like that i have kind of these narrowed optimal ranges from some doctors that i've spoken with 
the, like the real optimal ranges. He was like bang in the middle of all these ranges. I was like, dude, this is wow. I was like, this is immaculate. I was like, are you really sure? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was um like he annoyingly he was, and I was like, damn it! I was like, you know, because we're doing everything right, clearly. Yeah. Um, but luckily, we have everything on track so that when you know when he comes off, it will be it'll be a case of that's the place we've got to get you back to. So that would be a case of will we be able to get him back to where he was before? Uh, I'd be really interested to see. I mean, hormonally, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, but it is amazing when, when you kind of get presented with the fact that you're in this amazing place and you're going to make a decision that you know you can't maintain that. Mm-hmm. And, if you're, and that's where you've got to, you know, is it the, where, where someone has to be damn sure that they're willing to sacrifice their health for their physique goals or whatever it is? Yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah. How, you know, what are you, you know, what are you go? I guess how how important is it to you? How yeah. much is it to you? And I think there's a lot of people where, and you you probably spoken to people where it becomes clear. Like I've spoken to clients where they kind of considering it, and it it's definitely not. You know, they're they're not in a position where it matters enough for them, but they kind of need to be told that. And I think I think there's a lot there's a lot of people out there that would be like actually yeah. I don't need to take anabolic steroids to get where I want to be because being, you know, having 20 pounds extra muscle isn't actually what's going to make me happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, I had a friend who, uh, who, who, you know, was considering it. I said, get your hormones checked. We checked them with many checks and his testosterone was 22. And, you know, I said, you really don't need to do it. And he was happy. He was like, yeah, actually, I'm really happy with my hormone levels. He was worried it was low. You know, uh, the problem is that the low hormone symptoms could be so many other things, mm. you know. Um, so, yeah, no, I think it's a really good place to start. Mm. But, I mean, the thing is, hormone levels on cycle become probably a little bit less important mm. in terms of the testosterone, the FSH, and the LH. Mm. Because it's your testosterone is going to be high, your FSH and LH are probably going to be low, unless you're taking quite high doses of, um, you know, either AI or or serums. In particular, clomiphene. I don't know if you know mm. clomid. Um, so clomid's been used. I think one of the reasons that clomid came around for PCT was because of its use in use in endocrinology. As the clomiphene stimulation test, yeah, to see if someone has a pituitary issue, give them clomiphene, their FSHLH goes up. So those are the times when you can see a normal FSHLH. Mm. But really, um, the testosterone is useful because the majority of people, I guess, are using endocrine labs, mm. and uh, we've had a few people who um, self-administer TRT, but they use an underground lab, and their testosterone levels are up and down all over the place mm. because obviously the, the dose per vial isn't necessarily what it says. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think it's based on what I know, it's getting easier to avoid that sort of thing. But the, okay. but I think you go, you come back to that clomid thing. I think there's, there's so many people out there, like we're about to do a podcast with someone going through like AIs and stuff like that. But, I mean, cloning is not an AI, it's, a, it's still a symbol, isn't it? But the, the 
people look at again it comes back to like what you said earlier they consider the good things but they don't consider the bad things they put drugs like that in they're like oh yeah clomid does this for my fsh and that yeah it will boost those or it will you know binds to estrogen receptors it's going to prevent estradiol from binding so i won't get gyno and stuff like that and then they forget the fact that it's like one of the harshest things for your digestive system and it can absolutely wreck your gut mm. and you get all these people that get absolutely masked by putting that sort of thing in and they're like yeah. oh yeah you know but but it's doing what i wanted to do from a from a perspective of managing the side effects of the steroids it's like yeah, but yeah. what's happening to your health mate yeah and what about uh, and, and the psychological changes the mood changes you know are you gonna want to train or are you gonna train with the same uh vigor or you know um if you're not feeling great yeah. so and it definitely affects the liver for you know Mm. Definitely. Um, now on cycle, one of the things which I worry about, and I think it's, I don't, I don't know how many, how many people you've come across to know about it. Not very many people I come across to know about it. And that's the changes with the hemoglobin in the hematocrit. And the fact that they go up quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly, obviously equipoise really known to do that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that many people who, who give blood. But the only, you know, really the concern is if if you're giving blood, but you announce that you use anabolic steroids, you probably wouldn't be allowed to give blood. <laughs> so, is there a service for just therapeutically uh, bloodletting? Do Medicheck's not facilitate that. Um, facilitate what people. Um, so or do you mean could this be like a new avenue that many chefs could go down yeah yeah potentially well nothing nothing like that exists at the moment um that i'm aware of it's only um it's only ethical that people would then actually claim that they're using steroids because their blood is not going to be in the same capacity as someone that isn't yeah exactly Yeah, yeah yeah is it is it true i mean you'll know but i've read something about if you're on steroids, it's actually the blood that you would let you donate would actually be more beneficial for a donor. But is that absolute horseshit, or is that? Um, oh, I don't know about that. I um, I think their claim was due to due to the amount of red blood cells and stuff within the, within the the sample. But I was like, yeah, but I, I just don't think. I think that's just conjecture. I can't I imagine that's. Uh, yeah. So the. Um... The, the blood isn't just taken and then given. Yeah. It goes through quite a few processes. Yeah. Um, and uh, and what, we, what we get then in theatre or wherever, in A&E, when we're giving emergency blood, is what we call packed red cells. Mm. So they are, you know, they're... they're um, each, each, each 400, I think it's about 400 mils of blood in each packet um, is of the same concentration and things. Yeah. It's not... It's you know it's 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 gone through a process. So because as you can imagine, you know you need uniformity. You can't have you know oh this pack was given from a seventy-year-old lady. It's not as you know. So they're all they're all the same. Yeah. They go through a process, so it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I can you can understand, but that's the thing. There's a lot of things which are said uh, which make sense. Yeah. But, Unless you work in, you know, as you know, as a doctor, then then, then you realise that that's in practice, in practical terms, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. 
I'm glad um, I never believed it. Though. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right not to. Um, the concern with the hemoglobin and the hematocrit is the is is the question of flow. Mm, blood for so um, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So um, going to be really boring, but um, Hagen Pussel's law of flow. So flow um, is really important, as you can imagine, getting blood flow to the organs. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's imperative, particularly the heart. Yeah, but. Um, flow is inversely proportional to the viscosity of the blood. So the higher the viscosity of the blood, the worse the flow. But also, it's proportional to how the diameter of the blood vessel. And with we, we know that um, steroid use can in, inhibit the amount of endothelial vasodilatation. So the, even though tend to have big sort of uh, vasodilated veins, the amount of arterial dilatation can be reduced, so that can also impede flow. Nice. Yeah, so it's almost like, I think in my talk, I almost talked about like the perfect storm of a heart attack. Um, so I'll give you a practical example of this. When I was working in the emergency department, quite regularly on a Sunday morning, you'd see a pretty big dude who would uh, who'd turn up with chest pain. And um, they've been out on, you know, they've been out all night and they've been taking cocaine, okay? And um, cocaine, you know, causes vasoconstriction. Mm. You've got a situation here where you've got, you've got bigger heart muscle and heart muscle has androgen receptors in it as well. Mm. So it gets bigger with steroid use. Um, so you've got a heart muscle which needs more blood, but the blood is thicker. It can't flow as well and potentially if you haven't been keeping your cholesterol and your lipids in check there's some obstruction in the blood flow and then you add in the final straw i guess um with you know uh and of, of a drug which vasoconstricts such as cocaine and when we do heart traces on these people we can see the heart is struggling to get oxygen and that's why they've got chest pain you know so we're talking about 20 year olds with angina essentially it's terrible yeah there's, um, um, there's a, like because i was i was re we we did a seminar recently and we were talking about strategies to improve sleep and things like that and, and autonomic nervous system balance and grounding came up but one of the effects that i i talked about with grounding was its ability to um basically increase the zeta potential of red blood cells and actually reduce um blood viscosity as well so that, uh, that's like, if there's bodybuilders out there that are listening to this and they're like, oh, how, you know, obviously donating blood is going to be number one. How yeah. else can I think about doing that? It's like literally getting outside barefoot on the ground can actually help. And it's been shown to help quite a lot, yeah. literature, which is pretty cool. I mean, you have that with patients as well. It's, it's one of the simplest things. That's you know. good. I'll have to look at it. I really didn't know about that. Yeah, it's really um, cool stuff. The main, you know, really the, the main advice um, I can give is, you know, so that's that's one of the reasons why cycling is important, oh. um, and but also hydration plays a big role because hematocrit in a normal person can go up just with dehydration. So hydration is incredibly important if you oh. if you're in a high hematocrit situation. Oh. Um, but I've seen some ridiculously high hematocrits, and you know it can be life threatening. You're you're you're, you know, 
um, your blood is not flowing around. And not only is it a risk of heart disease and stroke, but it's a risk of having um, life-threatening clots affecting the lungs. Mm. Um, so that's the reason that's important to, to look at and keep an eye on. Um, mm. So like uh, in, in prescribed testosterone replacement, um, a specialist would, would probably stop giving TRT if the hematocrit hit 0.55. Um, you know, they would just not be a candidate for treatment because it can, it can be that dangerous. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I guess that moves us on to lipids then. So yeah. lipids are probably the next most important thing to check. Which is the one that everyone always... I think people always almost look solely at lipids and they disregard all of these other markers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my, my lipids are great. Oh, but what, about, what about the other ones? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah yeah well it's, it's exactly that it's a it's a it's a, it's a picture um you know uh it's an aggregation of get of, you know of marginal factors basically and they all come together to cause problems um but you if you can try and deal with as many of these as possible like i said if you're gonna you know if you're gonna take anabolic steroids then you, everything else needs to be perfect um, and you can check a lot of these with your bloods. So HDL is the main issue. I'm sure you're aware of that. Mm. Yeah. So um, it's and that's because of the stimulation of um, hepatic triglyceride lipase, mm. and all anabolic steroids do that, but to different degrees. So you probably know um, Winstrol, Dianabol, probably the worst for it, and you can really spot these. And they also tend to be the ones females take. I think. Mm. And so, and this enzyme is the one that breaks down HDL. That's sorry, yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So that enzyme breaks down HDL, yeah. and um, HDL is protective. So HDL, high density lipoprotein, is the protective type of cholesterol. Yeah. Um, it scavenges unhealthy cholesterol, which an unhealthy cholesterol, being LDL um, or VLDL, has this propensity to want to. Um, lead to atherosclerosis you know sticking to the vessel walls mm. um, that's, so, that, that's down to particle size isn't it absolutely yeah yeah so cholesterol uh, basically just range of different particle sizes yeah so it's when people have that kind of uh, is, am i right in thinking it's when someone would have higher levels of inflammation like systemic inflammation that would lead to kind of those smaller denser particles of ldl cholesterol that would deposit in the no, no, so LDL, sorry, L LDL is they're large. Yeah. So but, LDL but, low density, so they're large, and then HDL high density, they're recent, they're smaller. Yeah. And the, but the, can you not get where? I, I mean, I've seen a lot of stuff where the the LDL particles become small just from information. Okay. Well, I, I wasn't sure about that. Um, oh. My understanding was that they caused um, they caused inflammation at the endothelium level okay. in, in the in the vessel. Um, and then that leads to a cascade of things which lead to atherosclerosis, which you know includes platelet aggregation. Um, yeah, so HDL will help scavenge LDL. Um, and so the, the, the lower your level of HDL, the less scavenging that goes on, if yeah. that makes sense. And the more likely you are to develop atherosclerosis from the unhealthy cholesterol. Yeah. Now, even if you're young, um, there are some there is there are some studies out there which suggest that atherosclerosis can start, you know, in the teens or even younger. And yeah, so you know, time spent with a low HDL, you know, 
um, or a poor LDL HDL ratio um, is potential time for atherosclerosis. Mm. Which, although your your cholesterol levels might get better after the cycle, mm. that atherosclerosis may not. Yeah. Get so, is there like an optimal ratio that you would look for? Yeah. So, I mean, it's taking you have to take in a few ca- other things into account, but the optimal ratio of total cholesterol to HDL is thought to be less than four. Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, but the problem is because it's a ratio every drop in HDL counts for a lot more, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So a drop yeah. 1 to 0.5 means a double in your ratio. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and girls in particular, because estrogen is quite protective, the girls tend to be estrogen dominant, so they tend to have good HDLs. You can spot a, a girl who's taking steroids straight away because there is no reason their HDL should be 0.5. Mm-hmm. And also they tend to take the drugs which cause the most problems with HDL, mm-hmm. um, you know, Anavar and, and, and Winstrol, I guess. Um, not that I, you know, I'm an expert in that, but <laughs> it's true though. It's so yeah. easy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So um, that's the concern from that point of view. So we check. So L, so lipids are worth definitely worth checking and keeping an eye on. Now, I have anecdotally seen people who take super, super physiological doses of omega three, EPA and DHA, mm. and they have been able to get their HDL levels up. Mm. Um, yeah, we, we've we've seen some research on um, what's the one cow? Krill. Krill, no, Krill, Krill. Yeah, um, the bergamot, citrus bergamot. Oh, bergamot, yeah. Um, oh, that's okay. also pretty good at raising HDL. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and like I've I've used that personally. I've seen it with clients. It works pretty damn well. Um, there's some stuff I read though where yeah and there's some stuff I've read where if because it has such a potent interaction with um, with lipids and cholesterol levels if someone's on statins and you were to give them I think it was 500 milligrams of citrus bergamot it would actually almost reduce their need for statins by half so if you're yeah so there's people out there that have kind of experimented and, and it's thrown it a bit too far when they've been on statins so I think that's some information that if there's people out there on statins, be careful of that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But it, yeah, that's, um, I think there's some other stuff coming because there's all these, um, Psalms as well coming out and there's a Psalm. I know a friend of mine, I've, I've never used it, but I've seen research where they've used cardering, um, which has a really long letter and number name. It's like GW009. Um, um, is that five zero one five eight six? Might be. Yeah, yeah. Is, that, is that the Lance Armstrong one? Is it? No, but, but this one apparently, it, what it what it's been used for is driving HDL significantly higher and reducing oh, right. at the same time. Okay. That's, that's apparently all it does, and it, they've, okay. they've done some human trials with that, and it's actually pretty good. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah, it increases to replenish to like restore that blood work as part of a cycle cruise. Yeah, really? it's, it's interesting stuff. So I think, but I, I think short of those three, there's there's not much. Mm. Well, and other uh, than stop uh, taking steroids. <laughs> yeah, or 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 limit the duration or dose of what yeah. you know, the, yeah. the the drugs causing those problems. Yeah. Um, 
So that's why that's what I'm talking about with the n equals one type of you know you check your blood test if your HDL is if if you're taking a drug which is known to affect your HDL and your HDL is super low then that's a clue that you need to change that yeah and then I would retest. Mm. Would you ever look into things like because we we we're uh, close friends with a guy called Doctor Dean Saint Mark who presented yeah. at Body Power and he covered um, his, he's tested his genetics to see which kind of drugs that his um, C, CYP enzymes would metabolize particularly well. Like, is that the sort of thing you would recommend doing? Like seeing how, like on a genetic level, how people would react to certain drugs or do you not think there's a lot of efficacy in that? Um, to be honest, I wouldn't, I don't know enough about that yeah. to, um, to give you a valid opinion. Um, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Mm. Um, I think it's it's probably it's you know keeping an eye on your blood tests. I guess are, is is by is like looking at the end product, the genetics being the cause of why your metabolism's changed. But um, I think yeah, you know it's it's the same same sort of thing. But um, I don't really know enough about that to know whether it's valid or not. I guess yeah, yeah. I think it was interesting when Dean brought it up. So I was like, oh, that's that's an angle I've never heard of that you could yeah. potentially, you know, cut a lot of corners with people by just being like, okay, let's get your genes tested and this is what really what you should, if you're going to go down this road, that's what you should avoid and that's what you'll be safe to yeah, take, yeah. whatever it is. Um, but this is where, like you said, we're in the generation where all the science is going to start coming out more and more and more. Yeah. And we're going to start getting specialists. And, yeah. uh, you know, because they've already got that in the States, really. Mm. Um, there's a few yeah. guys who are already doing that. Yeah. Um, there's the anabolic doc. I don't know if you've caught him on. Uh, he's, got some, uh, on the, he's got some. Uh, he's got some uh, podcasts out there. Very good. Oh right, I'll just check him out. Yeah, you pro- probably know his name. I just don't know his handle. I didn't know it was called the anabolic doc. Do you know him, yeah. Cal? I've never heard of that man. You probably, uh, probably know. Uh, his name is uh, Thomas O'Connor. Yeah, he's. Uh, I would definitely check it. He's got. He's got a lot of YouTube videos out there as well. Okay, cool. Check him out. Yeah, yeah, That's pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, and but. Um, oh yeah, Doctor Thomas O'Connor. Yeah, that's the one. Do you know? Yeah, he's very. Uh, he's um, really good content. Um, he has. He runs a clinic. I think he gets people flying from all over the states just to see him. Oh wow! Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so well, this is where you're right. I mean, now we just need people like that over here. <laughs> yeah, well, but we the problem is we're very limited by our, yeah. by by the ethical side of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not understood. Yeah, you know, if I if I was giving, um, you know, there's a thin line between harm reduction and giving people advice about how to do steroids. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. as a doctor, if I'm saying, "Oh, I would reduce this or reduce that," am I giving advice about giving about how to do steroids, or am I am I practicing harm reduction? It's really difficult. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's but that's such one of the drawbacks about the research, isn't it? Because it's the ethics that that prevent there being a lot of sound research being done. I think there's stuff coming out now where the there's, I mean, I see, I've seen it a few times where people have actually posted on social media saying, "I'm looking, you know, we're looking for 
steroid users to come and take part in research and, and it's like that's pretty damn good because we've we've reposted that a few times for people okay yeah but i just don't know how how they're i still i think that's great but i'm like still, still how are they legally allowed to do that like, yeah um mm. Yeah, I think though we could. I think potential. There's potential to do it with Medichex, really, yeah. because the prop. The main issue with Medichex, and I encourage all your users who. Uh, this isn't an issue with Medichex, sorry. With getting your bloods tested, and I encourage all users to do this. Please give as much information as you can. Mm. Okay, so um, we get anything from not saying anything about antibody steroid use, and clearly, you know, the there is antibody steroid use to just some very vague information you know i was on testy and this but you know how long were you on it for the more detail you give us the more mm. detail the report i can give you mm. there are so many variables you know um so yeah so anyone listening please uh give as much information as you can mm. because you know we we do understand i think they probably think that just like their gp who doesn't get it doesn't understand yeah. we wouldn't but we actually yeah, no more than you might realize. And it's also, I think it's the they'll feel awkward doing it because I, I know a lot of people that you you know you speak to them about it and they're kind of quite restrained with what they give. And I think there's probably an element of embarrassment that they have to type out. Oh, I've been running this, 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 and I've been on it for you know longer than I probably should be because <laughs> don't know. And then they probably think they're going to get the report back and the doctor's going to judge them and be like, oh, what the hell are you doing? But you know. You never do that, would you? And it's the yeah. if if you're concerned about health and concerned about you know harm reduction and making sure that once, like we've said this before, once the the period of your life devoted to building muscle, bodybuilding, whatever it is, is over, when what if you've got information like that to help you, it's going to be a damn good thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so lipids. These are all quite related, but then the other, the other thing to read to look at, which we which we test, is the CRPHS. Yeah. So um, so CRP. I mean, we use the we use, we use that a lot in hospital, looking for infection stuff. And uh, in the NHS, generally speaking, the CRP isn't measured below the level of five. But we know that between the level of three and five, that's not overt inflammation i.e. you've got an acute infection, right. but it might indicate that there's some, there's some inflammation in the vessels right. which will lead to heart disease. Right. So that's another marker to look at. Um, and there's something else which might be worth considering in some people is homocysteine. So mm -hmm. have you ever looked into, have you got any clients who look into that at all? Or? We, I haven't, no, but obviously it's role in methylation am i right uh, built to high levels of homocysteine is not a good thing absolutely yeah so it's an intermediary uh, amino acid um as a byproduct of like methionine yeah. metabolism and um it is associated with increased uh, development of heart disease yes and and like phlebitis general inflammation of the vessels um and it's not only the fact that that goes up with antibody steroid use, it's actually the fact the effect of homocysteine and LDL. Yeah. So homocysteine actually makes LDL more disease, uh, you know, makes it more likely to, to, to cause disease and atherosclerosis. Yeah. So that's to keep an eye on, yeah. 
I mean, the thing is, I, I'm, I don't know, I, I, you know, I don't know about the administration of or the management of anabolic steroid cycles. I just know about harm reduction. But it seems to me that a lot of the effects would be abated with cycling as opposed to, because we have a lot of people who take a, you know, a TRT, we'll call it, or bridging, I guess, or cruising, or mm. but they're taking, is you know, what appears yeah. to me to be cycling doses. Yeah, uh, you know, you know. Range. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, so they're never off, really. No. Um, and so it, it goes back to that androgen receptor um, desensitization, you know, and they may never regain their hormone levels, but they may never even regain their libido even when the hormone levels come back because of the desensitization. Mm. So that's, that's one interesting thing in terms of looking at people that are going into what, like a, a cruise or a bridge where you'll like the generic version will be right. We need to pull down to 250 milligrams of testy a week and, and split that into two shots a week. But then if people aren't actually monitoring their sex hormones, you know, four or five weeks after they've been on that dose, they have no idea whether they're actually in a physiological range or a super physiological range. And they have Absolutely. no idea whether other markers are actually able to be restored in that situation. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And it's obviously going to feel less, mm. <laughs> you know, mm. uh, so you can't just go by feel. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, the, it's, it's all going to be relative, I guess. I guess when you're on cycle and your test is over 100, maybe, I don't know, we see quite a lot of that. And then they're off cycle and the test is 50. Relatively speaking, it's not going to feel the same. But in terms of effects it's going to have on their body, um, it's definitely going to, you know, cause some, some problems potentially. Mm. I think that's where the the N equals one experiments are, you know, they're so valuable and at the same time they're so dangerous because you get the people that they base their use of someone else's N equals one experiment. They're like, oh, yeah. what did you do for your thing? Yeah. Like, oh, I took, I took 250 and I was fine. I stayed in the range. Like, sweet, that's what I'll take. And then for them, yeah. it's the equivalent of being at like, you know, super physiological. And then the yeah. same when people go, oh, what did you do for your first cycle? Oh, I did 500. And that person... Maybe, you know, let's say I think that's unbelievably excessive. But, uh, you know, let's say they tested their ranges and, and it turned out 500 for them was actually a pretty modest dose. <laughs> and then for that person, it's an obscene dose. And it's like, oh, but that guy did it and he seemed to know what he was doing. And it's like, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very, it's, very it, it's like, I mean, it's always going to be a very risky thing. And, I think until I think people that want to do it properly just make sure that you speak to people that know what they're doing and get blood work done before and you know get advice on that sort of stuff. Yeah, I would recommend I would recommend a full check. Yeah. Beforehand, mm. definitely during. Okay, and in particular areas are full blood count, liver function, kidney function, um, CRP, HS, lipids. Um, and again, worth keeping on your prostate mm. and your hormone levels. And then uh, definitely after your PCT. Mm. Again, during the PCT, things are so up and down. I don't 
you know, when I'm looking at those bloods and someone's on their PCT and I don't really know what they're taking, it's really difficult to interpret those bloods with any meaning. Mm. So I would wait till after the PCT. Mm. Um, and then I would then, so that's like a post post cycle. And then there's an off cycle. So it's been three months since your PCT. Mm. Where are you at now? Mm. Um, so that, that those those are those are the times that I'd recommend doing doing the blood test definitely. And, and what, on based on what MediCheck's offer, are there like what would you say is the most comprehensive test that someone could go for if they're looking to monitor all these areas? Because obviously there's specific ones that will look at certain markers and others won't, and then yeah. there's kind of the more comprehensive ones. Is there one that you'd say is if someone was like, I want to, I want to consider all possible health markers? everything we've just spoken about, which is the best one in your opinion? Yeah. So the, um, so the, there's a TRT check, which includes yeah. a prostate. Okay. Yeah. Um, but there's also a sport hormone check ultra bit, which includes, um, all a full hormone profile, all of the organ tests that we described, mm. inflammatory markers, and it includes, um, vitamin levels. But then I don't think you would necessarily need to check though all of those markers again on cycle yeah. you can just do a sports hormone check which is you know, obviously a few less tests because mm. if your b12 folate and vitamin d are within normal range and mm. you they're unlikely to change mm. so you, you sort of um, saved yourself that mm. um, and so then i would do that and then again i would i would, I would follow that up um, post cycle again with that same test yeah um, and, and they're pretty comprehensive, yeah. Yeah, and that's good because there'll be a lot of people out there being like, okay, which test will I get? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's going to sound like we're plugging MediCheck's. We are plugging MediCheck's because we're all affiliated and it's good stuff. Um, and, and I mean, there's one that I like, which is, I believe, very similar to the sports hormone UltraVit one, which is the the ultimate performance one, which is actually one that was designed by the company ultimate performance. And it's yeah. like, that's, I think that takes the cake as being the most comprehensive. It's like, it's an expensive one and it covers, yeah. you wouldn't need to run that like all the time. But I think if someone was like, I want to cover absolutely everything. That's not a bad one either. I'd say. No, absolutely. I think, I mean, the only reason I didn't mention that was purely because it was the most expensive yeah. and um, you didn't want to, you know, come across that I was trying to, you know, plug the most expensive. But that, in terms of, that, that is the most comprehensive. It's got absolutely everything you can possibly yeah. want to. Because yeah. that, one, that one looks at thyroid as well in quite a nice way. Yeah. I recall. Gets all the antibodies and stuff, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it depends, I guess, because obviously some, some cycles involve taking T3 and stuff as well. So it might be worth keeping an eye on that. Mm. But, you know, Again, like I said, always think about what's happening afterwards. The thyroid's no different. If you mm. take a T3, your TSH will be suppressed for a bit afterwards. Mm. So you're looking at a post-cycle with low testosterone. And low thyroid. And low thyroid. So yeah. that's a recipe for weight gain, really, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's, that must be one of the things that people... Yeah, it causes them... That's, that leads to that anxiety. Oh, my God, I've, I should just go back on. Because they kind of yeah. go... Through, they're like, oh, or they look at their blood work and it's like, oh, I've got low testosterone, and I've got low thyroid, and, and now I'm gaining weight. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just hop back on and sort that out. Yeah, yeah. 
it's the ramifications people it's what you deal with if you play with fire you're going to get burned yeah well but the other thing that you know i say and um you know i'm not a trainer or, or you know a nutritionist or anything but i just think about things in a really logical way the elephant in the room really when you've got a guy with low testosterone who's saying i'm gaining weight is that women have low testosterone and there are women who are in good shape yeah. you know at the end of the day it is about energy balance mm. so even during a post cycle um you know the one of the best things for recovery um anecdotally again is going to be continuing the training and the nutrition keeping that in check and mm. going to encourage return of healthy hormones mm. um and in terms of the anxiety that you mentioned i think that it can't be it can't be stated enough the biological effects of steroids on mood mm. so we see a lot of prolactins now prolactin is inhibited by dopamine mm. and uh, so when dopamine drops prolactin goes up and we see a lot of sort of slightly high prolactins that could be because estrogen stimulates prolact uh, the lactotrophs which uh, increase prolactin but it, I think a lot of it is because dopamine has dropped mm. sometimes that dopamine doesn't recover mm. um, even even post cycle, you know. Tre- again, talking about trend, but trends the one which is probably known the most to um, cause hyperprolactinemia or deplete dopamine. Yeah. That's just something to worth worth keeping in mind. Prolactin might, you, if your prolactin's a little bit high, it might be an, it might be an indication that your dopamine might have dropped um, if your estradiol is normal. So, mm. I think a lot of these a lot of these tests, if you go through them with someone who knows what they're talking about, you know, um, you can, you can learn a lot about what is happening to you because of, because of this, because of steroids mm. Mm. And, and make adjustments accordingly. Yeah. I was going to say, cause you're probably going to get a load of people that are going to be contacting you being like, Oh, can you, can you consult with me over my blood? I mean, do you do that sort of thing? Um, I don't do it formally. No, yeah. um, I, I, I do it with friends. Mm. Um, and people in the gym and things like that. Um, mm. Really, you you know, I mean, the, we give we give we give pretty comprehensive uh, blood test reports. But you know, this mm. chap in America, the anabolic doc, Dr. Thomas O'Connor, he oh. has you know ninety minute consultations. Oh, really? That's great. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that people that because I, I could have predicted that you were going to say no, you don't do that because you just said you looked at seven to eight thousand blood works over the last year. So the yeah. The but for people that are going to think be thinking, damn it, I want this guy's input over my blood work, and you're using MediChecks, and you're not giving as much information as possible when you're submitting the results. Then, if you do, you're going to get the input. <laughs> I mean, if you give us the information, I will I will tell you as much as yeah. I know. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, yeah. um you know, and, uh, and and actually, it's not just me. Any of the doctors, and and we're all pretty well versed on it actually and i really believe and this is so i i work for medichecks because i found medichecks because i was testing my own blood because you know i think a fundamental difference is that when i'm working in the nhs and when i do some blood tests i'm looking for disease yeah but we should be doing blood tests to look for health if that makes sense 
Yeah. What your health, you know, no, you know, you were talking earlier about normal ranges. Well, what is the normal range? It's the 95th percentile, right? Mm. Of our population. Do we have a healthy population? So that's what our ranges are based on, you know. Uh, but at Medichecks, we also know about that. So we talk, you know, we, we will tell you if something's low normal, high normal. Yeah. Well, so we kind, of, we kind of look into the normal ranges as well. Mm. Well, that's good because there's a lot of. I got a client who she went, she had something tested in her GP. I forgot what it was. Actually. This was a while ago. Oh, I, mean, I think it was her iron levels. She was testing yeah. and they came back and they were like hanging on the end or the edge of the bottom range. Yeah. And, and the doctor had said, Oh, you're great. And I was like, I don't know. So like a, an MCV of nine, above 98 is considered abnormal, but I often see MCVs in 96 and I'm like, mm, you should check your B12, you should check your homocysteine, mm. you know. Um, so that's the sort of advice we give because the whole point is that if you get these things in check, if you're on anabolic steroids and you can get these things in check, we're not talking about, oh, your markers are improved. We're talking about adding year, years onto your life. Yeah. Because... Mm. The longer you, the longer you're going in denial, and a lot of it is denial. Actually, a lot of steroids users just don't want to know. Mm. Like, I just don't want to know, you know. And we, we see that a lot. Like I don't, you know. Um, and the more time you're spending just not wanting to know, mm. it's literally years off your life potentially. Mm. And it may not be years off your life. It might just be less years where you're in good health. Yeah. And people, once you've had a heart attack, you may never be the same again. Mm. You know, so, um, you know, I got into this because I genuinely want to prevent going back to the beginning when we first started, when I was seeing those people and it was too late to do anything. Yeah. We need to get in there early, mm. you know, um, because we've all, we know, we all know very famous people in the fitness industry, YouTube, whatever, who've, you know, s suffered horrible things. And, mm. uh, Maybe yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we, we're both friends with a lot of kind of top guys in the pro circuit and stuff like that. And we know a few that haven't, you know, that it took them a while to run bloods initially because they were genuinely scared of what they'd see. Yeah. And it was a case of, I don't want to do it because I know that there's going to be some shit wrong. And I think that when you're in that position, <laughs> you know that... Uh, you know, you want to be uh, changing your mindset on that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But it's also, you know, um, it's also such a, a paradox. You know, you're superhuman on the inside, but potentially it's not quite as pristine on the in, uh, on the outside. Sorry, but maybe potentially on the inside, you're not quite as bulletproof. Yeah. Uh, but it's just as important. Yeah. You know? And it's what Cal said earlier. There's, you know, people have kind of got to get more of a disconnect between what they see on the outside and, and what they assume has got into that when, you know, you get these people that look unbelievable, but then you find out that they've taken you know, polypharmacy, you know, and they've, and they've been absolutely murdering themselves with cardio and overtraining and eating like their, you know, their veg intake consists of four asparagus spears in a meal and stuff like that. And you're like, that's really healthy, mate. You look great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no. and that's where but no one sees that. They see the pictures, they see the magazines and the videos, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's 
they, he must be, you know, he must feel great. And then you speak to them, and they're like, no, I feel like death. And I know I've done everything unhealthy under the sub to get here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think, uh, I think it's good. And I think now that this stuff is so readily available, which it hasn't been, it's been for years now, but still people don't realize that it's, it's, there's not really an excuse not to do it. So. Before I, uh, before I forget on the topic of harm prevention, uh, I've got a friend who is doing a massive experiment, um, and he's actually been recently diagnosed with a heart condition. He's a bodybuilder. Okay. He's doing a marathon. No, he's be, he's he's doing a masters at the moment. Oh right, I was like, sorry, cut uh, that. He's he's running, he's running um, a research study during his masters at uni, basically looking for bodybuilders in the UK to do a, a widespread cardiac screening. Um, to build up literature surrounding cardiac metabolic health um, in young bodybuilders. Uh, so anyone interested in partaking in that and getting a free cardiac screening, search b.stan, which is S-T-A-N 97 on Instagram and get in touch with Ben. That's awesome. So that's going to be such a hard study to do when they get like all these results from people that are all running different things. Yeah. <laughs> Where, where where is he based? Uh, he's in the Midlands. He's near me. Uh, he is in. Ben is in. Because these these studies are incredible. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the research on uh, myonuclei, and uh, so so you know muscle hypertrophy. Essentially, the muscle cell is really unique. It's got multiple nuclei. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much the cell can increase in size depends on how much nuclei, because each nuclei. Yeah serve so much cell yeah and they found that so sometimes the limit of hypertrophy can be how many myonuclei you've got but once someone's done a steroid cycle they get a permanent increase their myonuclei. but even afterwards when their muscle size decreases they've still got the same number of myonuclei mm. they've almost altered your genetics yeah so you you have so it's that classic thing of i don't know if we talked about it because i spoke to someone about it in body power you know you could potentially do 10 years of gear, literally alter your muscle physiology and then go and do a tested, yeah. and, then, and then go and do weightlifting the Olympics, but yeah. you've got altered physiology. Mm. You know? And that's so. where there's a debate because there's a, there's a, I think, the, is it BNBF there or WADA? What, what, is it WADA? Uh, yeah. they, they, if you've taken steroids, you have to obviously say, and then they say you can't compete in their federation for seven years and for that reason. But there's no research suggesting that seven years is the cutoff. So you'll, you'll basically just have seven years. You'd, I mean, as far as I'm aware, it's a permanent... It's a permanent yeah, I think I've heard some of them can last forever. But yeah. I've heard maybe 15 years. But actually, that's based on you, not tra- you having an atrophy right. muscle. So if you yeah. continue training... Yeah. It doesn't mean a huge amount. Yeah. So just everyone, everyone who's using steroids is just going to come off, wait seven years, continue training, and jump into all the natural federation. Yeah. <laughs> also, I think once you know a lot of that deep data came from muscle biopsies from people who use steroids, and so I think yeah. if you are, you know, I'm not trying to um, uh, butt in on what you said there, Callum, but if you are a steroid user and these trials are going on, get involved because that's where we're learning from now. Yeah you know, these, these, uh, these trials, because, you know, who's going to fund them otherwise? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, good so stuff. Very good stuff. Well, that was an absolute pleasure. I think we'll wrap it up. Awesome. Oh, um, thanks, guys. The pleasure was ours. That was uh, that was incredible. Um, and uh, I think that's given everyone a rather lovely insight into this side of things and why we should get pub work done. <laughs> <laughs> And also why you should take, you know, take the bub website more seriously and give a lot more information when you do it. Because um, yeah. as far as I'm aware, is Meditex is the only one that offers a, doc, a doctor's comment, am I right? Do you know what? I, I, I don't know, but I don't think any of the competitors have um, the combined expertise that we have. Yeah. Um, and certainly offer comments to the level of detail that we do. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't seen any others that give feedback in that in that way. So that's yeah. I, there are other companies which have doctors, but um, they, you know, I mean, they they don't have the same uh, level of expertise. Boom. Boom. There we go. You heard it here first, people. Thanks for the win. Yeah. Definitely. And um, yeah, I, I mean, we we're gonna, I'm going to plug it because this is a Medijex episode. If you are going to order stuff. Use our code Must Mentors at checkout. <laughs> um, the uh, but we'll, the, the links to all that are in our bios on Instagram. I'm sure they're in yours as well. Um, yeah. And it was a, an absolute pleasure. So thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Lovely to meet you both, and uh, thanks for your time. Likewise. Thank you, buddy. All right. Take care. Bye.